What the? Mike, did you pick this? What? Hey, welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Terrian. And I'm Scott Lieb. We're two friends who are following Jesus into the joys and challenges of everyday life. Um, are you going to take that gum out of your mouth? I might. I might. Get, <laughs> I'll just put it in so I want to get all the flavor all out. All the flavor out of it. And I want to start my timer. I'm going to save it for later. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can just stick it on your phone screen. Yes. Great. And here we go. Well, it is your turn. Uh, as we always take turns picking our topics, you, Dr. Mr. Friend Mike Terrian, you get to choose the topic du jour. So, what is it? Well, I thought maybe this week I would um, geek out a little bit mm. and uh, put on my my social ethics cap. As I said earlier, sorry, before you go on, we we should do this every so often. I would actually, I think it would be fun to have like a, and maybe that's what we could call it, like the geek out episode where you just are able to flex your muscles, flex your, uh, you know, moral theologian muscles and your knowledge of all things and um i can just be the dog sitting here with my my tail like you know wagging back and forth and and uh you know just try to try to yeah yeah, yeah you'll have like i'll just sort of lead you along throw, just and, throw me bones yeah 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 i'll be the okay. dog who's kind of leading you around the neighborhood and you can kind of talk about your observances of everything okay anyway right. yeah there you go okay yeah. now Go. Yeah. So anyhow, I thought I would. Uh, I thought it would be uh, worthwhile, um, maybe digging into what's going on right now in the Holy Land, and particularly, I just think trying to get our heads around um, how divided our country is right now mm. uh, with what's going on over there, and maybe trying to shed some light on and and provide a little background as to why. That might be happening, yeah. Um, at a deeper level than just party politics, because obviously we know that there's lots of partisan divisions in our country over uh, party politics and 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 media outlets. But I, I think the issue is much deeper than that, mm. and it might be worthwhile to dig into it a little bit. And I, you know, I you know me well, but I don't know if you know me well enough to know that I give zero craps about party politics. <laughs> I, you know, I definitely uh, have personally fall on a certain side of the political spectrum in terms of like, you know, social issues and economic issues and uh, maybe like defense of the country kind of stuff. But I found myself increasingly sort of um, like in a no man's land in turn, like I don't totally identify with uh, Republican stuff. And I, I mean, I probably find myself identifying less with the Democratic stuff, at least like their radical, ridiculous, you know, platform on on certain social issues and things like that. But so I'm sort of like I'm I'm along for this ride. Like I'm going to you're going to say things that are going to blow my mind and enlighten me. And maybe. (laughs) And I I do know that about you. You, uh, Yeah, you. I am certain. In typical Scott Lee fashion. I'm certain. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I, I'm a bit of a nonconformist and authority scares me. So um, I do like to, I'm, you know, 
I'm like a the wanderer in the desert, the guy that just sort of like goes out and finds his own way a lot of times. Much sometimes in in ways where I'm like, why? Why don't I just pay attention and listen? And but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So we're gonna talk about what's going on in the Holy Land, which is you know something that uh, I don't I don't really get a whole lot of opportunity to to. Deep, like decompress on or to to analyze and think about. So yeah, I'm just gonna. You're gonna say things. I'm gonna ask for clarifications and uh, and maybe ask questions that like dig try to dig a little deeper into things. And so if I interrupt you, it's for your own good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Go for it. That's okay. Yeah. Hey, you can take it. I'm a teacher. I I never. I, I don't mind questions. I love it. Okay. So as long as if I have an answer, that is. Yeah. So how do you want to? How do you want to start? I don't know. Right just, now? just however you want to start. You just, yeah. Throw a question out there, and I'll try to. We'll jump in. Yeah. Okay. Um, why? <laughs> you're right. We are divided. Like this, that we're we're divided on many many things in this country to the point where it's like, I don't. It it frightens me. Um, not in a way where I think about it all the time and I'm afraid and I'm like, oh, lamenting, what's going on with our country? We're falling apart. Because I feel like to some degree it kind of always happens. But we we are becoming super, super duper polarized in a way that I, I don't think I've ever seen before in our country. Why do you think on an issue like, okay, my understanding is Hamas attacks uh, groups, uh, little groups, little communities, and a concert, things like that, like these really brutal attacks in in Israel. And the objective observer could say, in no way, shape, or form, is that right? Right? Uh, the, I mean, especially from a Christian standpoint, we we have this respect for life, the dignity of all human life, and things like that. So you would think that everybody would sort of be rallied in this country around, like, bad, bad Hamas, you know. But it seems like the the situation might be more nuanced and complex than I understand. And, like, why? Why are we so divided on this? It seems like it would be pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to throw out sort of there's two two sort of— cluster of ideas that I that I would want to talk about um, related to that question. One has to do with his, history, and the other has to do more with different ideological or uh, worldviews or moral frameworks okay. that people in this country are operating out of, which are, which, which are within themselves. There's a certain coherence within each of those, but they, there's no coherence really among them, between them. So, so that's part of the reason why we're so polarized. But let's start. I, I want to talk just very briefly about the historical background because I think one of the things that, you know, a lot of people just probably don't follow these events all that closely. And and to be honest, even myself, like I don't, I don't drill down real deep into the public policy and you know, yeah. and, and all of that stuff and all the goings on between different parties and factions out there. I mean, I just don't have time given what I do. What what what, what I will say though is that you know historically. That part of the world has been has a history of being occupied by different groups that mm. are never reconciled to each other. So you know, right now, currently, up until the you know the, this present moment, there's been kind of a, a two state 
reality going on where the Palestinians have been in control of 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 their territories and Israel's been, you know, in charge of it. Whereas prior to that, Israel was sort of in charge of of everything. And then, you know, going back, if you go back into the 20th century, um, you know, I think it's really important to note that 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 the state of Israel was created in 1948. And the way that happened was, you know, after the uh, Holocaust, there, you know, obviously there was, there was a need to try to, you know, find a solution for uh, a homeland for, for the Jewish people after the Holocaust. Mm. Uh, there, there's a long backstory to all of that. Maybe we can get into it later, but I don't want to get into it now. Sure. But the way that happened is that basically, you know, the, the Allied forces from World War II basically set up the state of Israel. Um, and, uh, you know, basically the Jewish people were permitted to move in and they just basically kicked the Palestinians out of their homes and out of their neighborhoods. Mm. Um, and they just really had no say in the matter. So there's a, so a lot of the tensions that we see there go back to that, that, that fundamental choice that was made to, uh, give Israel, the, the Jewish people, a homeland and, and forming what we now know as the state of Israel. So there's a lot of bad blood mm. there. And uh, so there's many people around the world that have been very sympathetic to the Palestinians because it happened, even while there's also people that are very sympathetic to the, to the Jewish people because of what happened to them in, in, in World War II and prior to that, kind of the long legacy of anti-Semitism in the West. The other part of the story, though, is that prior to that, the British Empire controlled that part of the world and it was all colonized and and uh, governed by the British Empire, um, and so you know the West had control of that part of the world for centuries. Um, but then prior to that, you know the Ottoman Empire controlled that part of the world, and that was that that was a, a Muslim empire. And, and if you take that all the way back, you know, to around the seventh century, you know, prior to the seventh century, mostly Christians controlled. That part of the world, okay. and prior to that, obviously, the Romans controlled, and and the Greeks, and you know, it it to find a time in which the Jewish people, you know, the Jewish people kind of lost total control of their homeland in about 70 A.D. when the Romans destroyed the temple, and mm. and you know, but prior to that, they had been a vassal state and occupied, you know, by these foreign empires. So anyway, there's a long history of different people that claim a right to have control of that area. And because there are sacred, holy sites for Christians, Jews, and Muslims, especially in Jerusalem, it, it, there's just always been a lot of tension about who gets to control that. And there's a lot of animosity, especially between um, Muslims and uh, the Jewish people in that region particularly. I, mm -hmm. I like to point out that, you know, Christians, Jews, and Muslims get along pretty well in other parts of the world. Not every other part of the world, but, yeah. you know, they, they live peacefully. So so I think that the historical backdrop, I think that there's, there's good reason to uh, be sympathetic with the grievances on all sides. You know, even Christians have grievances, because Christians have been there since the early church and are oftentimes persecuted, um, you know, by by Muslim groups predominantly, well, probably yeah. exclusively, yeah. honestly, but because we have a much stronger relationship between Christian people and Jewish people, but yeah. but that's kind of the historical background. So, so. for simple simple minds like myself, 
if I were to to sum that up in a few sentences, it sounds like um, the 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 Jewish people, like the he going back, you know, into the Old Testament time. They've uh, they've always you know sort of been there in that Middle Eastern region, you know, Israel and and uh, which uh, probably wasn't called Israel, but whatever it was, like Jerusalem and and stuff there. So in some sense, the, and of course, from a biblical standpoint, it seems like that's the land that God gave them. You know, so they have this kind of like this is our this is our land kind of yeah, mentality about right. it. And um, but and then the other thing uh, at work there is you know the the Jewish people sort of seem to have been spread out, um, banished from that land and spread out through through throughout the world and in little pockets and things like that. And so the horrendousness that was the result of the Holocaust, kind of the the world being probably NATO maybe, uh, got together and was like, we have we, we have to give these people a place. Yeah. To, to call well, it own. would it would I think it would predate that, but the, okay. the NATO the, yeah, alliance, but, but basically the Allied powers, predominantly the United yeah, States of America and yeah. Great Britain. And so they were like, these people need a home. This is historically where they've they've had their roots. So they go in, but by going in, they had to uproot yeah, a displace, lot of other people, displace yeah. a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah, um, and of course that would cause a lot of like uh, animosity. And okay, so yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah, that, and I think the it. other thing too is when the British Empire decolonized, you know, the Muslims obviously looked forward to um, governing and ruling themselves again because mm-hmm. they had occupied that land predominantly. You know, for a long time. Yeah. So, so, and and there's just there's just tensions. You know, yeah. there's deep tensions that okay. go back between the three religious groups, but particularly since 1948 between the Jewish people and the the Muslim people. So, okay. you know, peoples, but it it in particular in that region of yes. the world, like they, I don't think it's it's very clear that Muslims don't want Jews. You know, not all of them, but. You know, we, we hear about Iran a lot in the news, and that's because yeah, they have a yeah. particular hatred for the state of Israel, yeah. and they would like to see it uh, disappear. And these 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 um, these jihadist groups, these terrorist groups, they have a particularly acute hatred for the Jewish people, and you know, they they want to get rid of them. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's still that anti-Semitic mindset that it's not enough just to move them. They, you know, let's just get rid of them altogether. Yeah. So, so, so we're, that's, that's kind of like what we're dealing with. And, you know, the world acknowledges that, that Israel is, is a legitimate state, has its own sovereignty, has a right to exist there because the community of nations, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. has sort of uh, acknowledged and recognized their right to have a home and to govern themselves. You know, so, but that being said, Right. There, in order to get there, there were there were certain you know certain injustices that were committed for sure, and so there are people in the West who are sympathetic to the Palestinian cause, and uh, and and but, so that's sort of the historical yeah part yeah of it. yeah yeah it was good that was a yeah. super good five minute history of the the Middle East <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you can do that in five minutes, but yeah. No, it's, it. I mean, it's complicated. Sure. But I don't. Sure. I don't. You know, it. We don't need to get into the weeds on it. But I think. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that it's not irrational. 
I mean, I, I have sympathy. I, I don't have sympathies for terrorist groups at all, of course. Really? Um, and violence, no, you know, any yeah. kind of form of that kind of violence, that sort of naked aggression and so on. I, you know, as a Christian, obviously, that's just abhorrent. But for the average Palestinian who's just trying to get up every morning and have a cup of coffee and uh, live their life, um, and, and there are those people, um, you know, they, they, are, they are in some ironic way dealing with the, the, the problem that the Jews had prior to 1948, namely, you know, do we have any rights here? Do we have any, you know, rights to home? And, and I think that in recent decades, there's been a lot of progress towards creating this kind of two-state solution where they each kind of have their place. Yeah. And they're trying to get along with each other. But, you know, I, Iran and, and, the, and the terrorist groups that they're backing are clearly making this process very difficult. And they've honestly just set everything back decades. I mm. mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just going to get, it's just going to be a nightmare of a mess. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. going to, you know, it's going to lead to a lot of loss of life. And So you know. let me ask you this. This is a bit, this is a bit, I, I don't, I'm afraid to take too many tangents, but I just want to ask you, would, would a, an analogous situation be, um, you know, the Europeans coming over and occupying the, the land of the United States and um, sort of displacing Native American tribes and stuff like that. Like, is there any analogy to be made in that? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, part of the history of the world is just the fact that there are powerful peoples with ambition that mm -hmm. conquer weaker peoples. That's just always yeah. been—that's the history of yeah. the human race. It's part of the legacy of our fallen nature. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, through— expand, you know, the age of, of exploration, you know, Europe, uh, you know, span the globe and colonize places. And that's a whole nother yeah, complex yeah. history no, that we can, right, right. we can get into because, you know, again, um, there's, there's good guys and bad guys on, on all sides of that story too. Yeah. But let's not, yeah. let's not go there. But, but it, it is, I, I would say, try to imagine it like this, like, like we live in these boroughs because really the, the the size of the territory we're talking about, maybe counties. Let's think about counties. Mm -hmm. You know, like we live in yeah. Beaver County. Think about right. you know the people in Allegheny County. You know, imagine like the the state of Pennsylvania coming in and saying, "All you people that live in Beaver County, we're kicking you out of your homes. You go find another place to live." And the people were given your homes, your neighborhoods to people of Allegheny County. Was it? And it's it, so it, amazing to me because I, I was thinking I mean, that. It's not quite that simple, but, right. but in terms of proximity and geography, yeah. like yeah. that's kind of how you have to think yeah. about it. Yeah. So, so you know. Am I given like a lot of money? Am I given a certain amount of money to find a new? Or no. is it the, basically no, I they think, just come in and they're like, I, I think find they, a new place? Yeah, I think they were basically just told they had to leave. I don't know. There were probably some, some, yeah. some sort of, I don't know, reparations or whatever. Sure. It's like, but, you know. Uh, wow. We talk about eminent domain in this country where people, yeah. like, their properties get wiped out because of a freeway going in. Well, I mean, it... it Something like that. It, it's But but worse, because yeah. th these are people's, you know, homelands for yeah. centuries and centuries. And, and But I, I think part of what we have to understand, and this is what some people on the left in this country don't understand, it's like, okay, for good or for bad, the British Empire controlled that part of the region of the world mm -hmm. for a long time. And, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and so it's not like it was out of the blue that we decided to do this. I mean, we, 
you know, the, the West, when I say we, I mean sort of the United States and Great Britain. and So, so that, that sort of reality controlled mm. large parts of the world. And yeah. that's a very sensitive right. thing, yeah. you know, for people, which, which kind of leads us into the other, you know, sort of more ideological explanation that I, that I wanted to delve into, which I think is honestly, the historical is helpful and important, but, but, but I think the ideological one is, is, is more interesting and yeah. more, more complex. Go for it. But, you know, and I guess my way of entry into this is just to try to draw an analogy with going back into the ancient world. And, and you know, in the ancient world, when the Roman Empire took, took over the Mediterranean region, you know, stretching really, the empire stretched pretty much practically to India and all the way out to mm. Great Britain. So, I mean, the, the full extent of the empire and up into Central Europe and... It, it was a big empire, and there was known at that time what was called the Pax Romana. And and the good part of the Roman Empire is the Roman Empire created an infrastructure and a legal framework for all peoples that were underneath the empire um, to experience a kind of political stability where, you know, kind of everybody was governed under the same law. And, and, and to the credit of the, the Roman Empire... They they permitted a great deal of local localism, mm. so they didn't abolish people's local customs or people's local religion. As long you know, they just threw their gods in with the pantheon of all the Roman gods and mm-hmm. tried to create a kind of syncretistic, you know, somewhat quasi-Roman homogenous empire culture. And it was called the Pax Romana because it was a pretty stable situation that 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 remedied the problem of a lot of tribal and local feuding and fighting and killing. Yeah. But it but it, that stability came at a high price, and that high price was that if you stepped out of line or you challenged in any way, you asserted your local rights over and against the empire, you would just simply be crushed. Like that. That's just, and so. You can imagine in a situation like that, people would become resentful because they want to govern themselves or they want to have some sort of sense of their own manifest destiny and whatnot. But the problem is, is every time Rome was weak, you know, uh, and as the Roman Empire eventually weakened and, and collapsed, first in the East and then in the West, you know, all this tribalism and all this ethnic infighting, it just returns. Like mm-hmm. It just becomes this, you know, chaos. And there's yeah. no—it's hard to build civilization, when, when you're dealing with that kind of thing. So, you know, under the British Empire, you could say, well, we had the, you know, we had the British, you know, pox. the Pox Brit- Britannica or whatever <laughs> you'd want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then under the American, you know, we have the, the, the Pox Americana, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you know, we, you know, these empires, these, these, pow- these kind of world powers that kind of create stability and they kind of control... And what's interesting is, you know, we've seen in recent history, and I think people can all see this, is that on the one hand, you have, you you have a situation where, when we're when we're in a place of strength, everybody's kind of quiet and everybody behaves, right? And then if we get a different president in, and that president isn't so strong, and that's not necessarily a Republican Democrat thing, because we've we've had some weak Republican presidents sure. too, but. But, but what, and you know, we we've had some strong like Obama things were a little bit more stable, say then under Jimmy Carter, you know. But right now, like we've seen a huge contrast between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Mm. So it's clear that the 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 Pax Americana is not holding right now. Like 
people are testing and pushing against that. And, yeah. and what we see is all this infighting starts to emerge and the territorialism and these different things. Now, I'm not going to get into trying to adjudicate what's right or wrong. I'm just trying to describe this is the way history yeah, yeah. works. Yeah. And and so the the problem is where we get into the ideological thing is that there's you know a lot of the people on the on the on the left in our country and across the west subscribe to to um, a social philosophy which can very loosely and broadly be called critical theory explain that yeah what do you mean by that so critical theory is a is a particular way of reading history that kind of comes out of a marxist worldview and there's a lot of things that can be said, but I think the most relevant things to address right now is to say that the way they fun fundamentally understand social institutions and social structures is that is that society tends to get organized into hierarchies of dependency where one group is dependent upon another that has power. And that social hierarchy of dependency in inevitably turns into a social hierarchy of oppression, mm. okay? where you have a class of people that are exploited and you have a, a group of people with power who control. And that history tends to get written from the you know perspective of the conqueror and, and not the vanquished, mm -hmm. um, which has some truth in it, but not entirely. Um, and and so, driven by a kind of Marxist critical analysis, the idea is that is that we have to overcome the hierarchies of oppression, okay? and we do that by instigating some form of revolution, which, in a sense, topples the power structure and creates some sort of egalitarian outcome. So okay. we're trying to level the playing field. Gotcha. Okay. Now. Under Marx, it started out predominantly as an economic theory. You know, like the, his, he had a sort of a class interpretation of history. Everything, everybody was divided into different yeah, economic yeah. classes. But, but Marx, that that basic framework has been applied then to all sorts of other social relationships. So think about the relationship between humanity and the environment. So humanity is the powerful oppressor, and the rest of the earth is you know, the poor victim that's oppressed and exploited and needs okay. to be liberated, yeah. okay? Think about the relationship between men and women, okay? You know, women are, the, you know, men are the ones in power, you know, women are the ones that, you know, are the oppressed and, and, and the victims and, and always, um, you know, the dependent ones in that, in that uh, hierarchy. And it seems like that could apply to everything. Race, it, it, gender. Yeah, yeah race, yep, yeah. Uh, gender. So, Everything you see under the category of woke is all critical theory. Okay. 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 So, you know, you can jump in with kind of questions wherever you want to go, but that, but that's the predominant framework that we see operating from the left on the far left. Like, yeah. there's more moderate centrist liberals, and yeah. they're they they operate somewhat out of this worldview, but in a much more moderate way. And the same thing. Okay. So that's the left. Okay. okay. Now the right. The right. And, the, and the, the other thing I would say about the left is that the, the Marxist view of history is always progressive. So it's always looking into the future, mm -hmm. and it's always trying to reinvent humanity by deconstructing social hierarchies of power and oppression and creating a new, like a new humanity, a, mm -hmm. new, a new social order. Okay. And, and in order to do that, you have to dismantle and deconstruct 
the old systems. And the old systems would, broadly speaking, fall under the category of tradition. Okay. Okay. So anything that anything that creates that kind of social structure hmm. so, is evil and has to be eliminated. So in a sense, it's never-ending. Like, uh, what they've created new eventually becomes the tradition. Well, that's that the irony of it is, is that you never... But what they say? Well, they, you know, whenever you push back on the fact that the theory doesn't actually work in practice, they say, well, it's never really been tried. Mm. And it's like, well, that's because every time you try it, the, the, the people who uh, appoint themselves as the one to bring about the revolution and to bring about the leveling of the social, they empower themselves and therefore become the very thing they despise. <laughs> so that's the irony of it. And, you, yeah. and it's a cycle, it's a cycle you can't actually escape. Because, so, you know, when you listen to, the, to some of the loud voices on the far left, you're like, well, you know, who's going to make all these decisions? Who's going to set up the new world order? Right. It's like, well, we are. It's like, well, why do you get to do that? Yeah. So it's like, you know, so... But it also seems like inevitably, uh, it, it's so idealized, but inevitably they be, it becomes corrupted. Like they themselves, yeah. I mean, every Marxist or uh, example that I can think of never survives because, uh, well, guess what? We're human beings and we suck in a lot of ways. Yeah. So the, what I would say to that is just that, that you know, the, the, the Marxist social analysis theory, like the, the critical theory, mm -hmm. it's not bad at diagnosing problems. Right. But the solutions that they propose come out of a philosophy, what we call a dialectical philosophy, which basically argues that the only way it's only through violent opposition and conflict that a new reality can emerge. So it's always driven by a spirit of revolution. Yeah. And, and, and in their worldview, the end always justifies the means. So you can do violence in order to achieve the utopic outcome they have in mind, but when the other side, quote-unquote, the oppressor does violence, you have to be outraged. So that's why we, we saw it play out this week perfectly. So Hamas can go in because they're the victim. Mm -hmm. They're occupied, so to speak, by Israel, like they're representing the Palestinian people. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 like ruling, Pal you know, the Palestinian yeah. people now. These people who have been pushed back into a corner. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And and there's it's not that to say that there isn't like that's why I gave the historical background first because yeah, yeah. it's not like there's no grievance there. But Hamas can go in, or any terrorist group can go in, and they can they can perform these horrible atrocities because they're all in, in, in pursuit of the great cause, which is to bring down the oppressor, Israel, mm. and level the playing field and restore the oppressed to their legitimate rights. Okay. Without realizing that that kind of an attack, like as Christians we'd say, well, you can't do evil in order to achieve a good outcome. Yeah. And this is why. Yeah. Because when you do evil for the sake of a good end— if it is a good end in this case. But let's say it is for the sake of argument. If mm -hmm. you do evil, all you're doing is creating more evil, and you're just becoming the evil that you're trying to destroy. So it, it, it's, it's a self-destructive ideology that can never bring about a real solution of peace. Yeah, Okay. right. 
So that's what we have on the left. Mm-hmm. What we have on the right is it is much more of a of a sort of a classical liberal approach, which is which is much more backward facing towards the American founding, towards the English Enlightenment and the Magna Carta tradition. And the values that are held is that, you know, tradition is good, traditional family is good, um, traditional values, whether it's with marriage, mm. um, whether it's with the, the, the you know, the, the more classical understanding of human rights. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that, that conservative, when that conservative thing becomes too ideological and pushed too far to the right, it becomes, and this is where a lot of people are confused, that becomes, that falls into the category of fascism. So, so Marxism is on the left, fascism is on the right. And a lot of times people use the terms interchangeably. Hmm. So a lot of people would call... Um, like a left-leaning dictator, a fascist, because they're a dictator. Okay. But if they're left-leaning, like think of Venezuela right now, or think of in Cuba, you know. Yeah. You know, those those dictatorships were left-leaning because they were Marxist. But what you see with Putin right now mm-hmm. is you see a fascist tendency, that is, nation is first, Tradition is first. Go Russia. Go Russian people. They tend to they tend towards ethnic cleansing. You know, this is what we saw under yeah. the Nazi regime. The yeah, Nazi okay. regime was national socialist, but they were not communists. They were not on the left. They were on the right, because they wanted to go back in time and restore the old. And so it, it's almost an idolatry of nation mm-hmm. of race. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when you when you jump into a, a, a the arena as a Christian with these two groups of people, mm. you know you can listen to Democratic um, Congress people just this week literally yell at members of the Republican caucus and call them all a bunch of racists because because they're coming out of this this left-leaning communist view of things mm. and they're casting every republican as a fascist and what did the can you help me with what did the what were some of the things that the republicans said that spurred well that kind th- this of... what happened this week was um uh it it was i'm i'm trying to omar uh i am forgetting yeah one of the uh what do they call yeah. them the the, the squad the squad know, yeah so she was she was I mean, I don't know all the background behind the conversations that okay. went on, but yeah. apparently she was she was uh, she was voted off a committee, okay, and foreign affairs committee, I believe it was, and and uh, and and I think that had to do with the fact that she was standing in open support of Hamas hmm. as a Muslim woman, okay. So how can you be objective about this situation in terms of American interests? So I think she was dismissed from that. So again, you can see how the two sides, they, they, there's a logical, and this is the point I want to, I think is really important to make. That there's a logical consistency within each of their, their, their sure. viewpoints. Right. But there's no coherence between them at all. Hmm. So, there, both sides are always trying to make rational sense of how the other side acts, and and they they can't, like, 
you know, the the left cannot fathom how the right is not in support of the Paris yeah. Accords for the environment. Yeah. But a lot of the Republicans are saying, well, it's America first. We have to put our own national and economic interests, and, and, and we're hurt pretty deeply by these accords, whereas other countries like Russia and China get get off scot free. Mm. They don't they don't have to participate by in the you know at all or to the same standards that we do. Yeah. So, you know, and 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 meanwhile, you know, we're sitting over here you know, people I'm sorry, people will on the on the in the Republican party will look over at some of the far left and say, "How can you possibly support Hamas?" Mm. And and it's and again, if you're if you're if you're thinking from their viewpoint, it's it's not hard to understand why they would see things from that perspective. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree. Sure, but I think it's important to understand. Sort of, that's that's the ideological landscape we're in. And so, mm. if you're trying to make logical sense out of how the extreme left and the you know, and I think the the more centrist people in this country, both you know, Democrat and Republican are much closer together in terms of how they see things. And I think a good ex a good example of that is is the comedian Bill Maher who um who I've been watching, you know, yeah. off and on. And I think he's fascinating because he's clearly a, a left-leaning democrat who's extremely critical of the far right and the far left because in his yeah. mind the America that he grew up in is is being torn asunder yeah. by these two extreme sides of the group. So, so why? Okay. So that that hopefully that gives a little bit of clarity around why we're so polarized and so divided. Well, because we're just dealing with such ideological yeah differences. No, it, uh, dude, that was that was an incredible explanation of that. It's so much so that I I understand. I you know like my understanding of it is is way better, but it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. So my question is, why? Why wh why are we trending towards this extremism like this hyper division cuz I don't I don't know maybe I'm idealizing my growing up you know like the the prior 40 you know I mean it seemed like this started this kind of uh, real trend started a decade ago or something like that so like the first 39 years of my life it seemed like um you know, there were there were a few outliers that were kind of irritating. They were annoying to the to the rest of the people, but they were squeak little bit of squeaky wheels. But they didn't get a whole lot of grease, you know. And now it's like, oh my gosh! I mean, all you all you hear about, all you read, all all that's presented is primarily it, things from either extreme, like things that either are pushing, like. You know, we gotta. This is the end of the world that's about to happen. World War Three, or, or that. Yeah, things like well, they you know they deserved it because they've been oppressive for this many years, and it's, it's like there's no there's nobody that's well. There are, I'm sure, people in the middle or in the center, that are like trying to take both sides into account and to have a, like a civil discussion about this and to come up with, you know, hopefully some some real solutions that maybe work in some way for both sides but it's not primarily what you're getting you're getting the these extreme sort of uh, why yeah <laughs> well 
Oh, boy. I mean, that's such a loaded question. And where is question. this going to go? Like, yeah. where is it going to end? Well, I mean, in some ways, I would say that the landscape looks not a whole lot different than Europe looked in the 1930s, where you have, you know, Marxism is on the march, um, you know, across Eastern Europe, and um, and then you have much more of a conservative, sort of more classical liberal, you know, um, coming out of the West in terms of uh, the United States of America and Great Britain. And so, um, and and I think that, you know, you know, historians, of course, have analyzed very deeply, like all the things going on that kind of led up to, but I think I think fundamentally, I guess one way I think we can answer that question is say, you know, in, in the United States at any rate, and I think at Europe at one time, there was still a, a, a shared common set of Judeo-Christian values that kind of held the culture together. Mm. And then we disagreed on particular points of public policy and how to address certain problems. I think what's happened, what happened in Europe in the late 19th and early 20th century is that the Enlightenment tradition that feeds into, eventually it evolves into the critical, Marxist critical theory, that approach to things. You you see a kind of dismantling and deconstruction of those Judeo-Christian values because there's something that belonged to the past. There's something that they're viewed as a shackle on future progress. Mm. Um, those values hold us back. They oppress people, blah, blah, blah. That's the narrative. Yeah, and yeah. so as as these people become more predominant across universities and in the education system, you, you begin to r- dismantle those Judeo-Christian values. Mm. And now it becomes kind of a free-for-all, like everybody's kind of creating their own. And of course, when that kind of chaos arises, you, you need a, a superpower to come in and, you know, it's usually an ideology to just kind of take control. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened, and, and Europe got divided right down the middle between kind of, you know, sort of two um, uh, two ways of seeing what the future should look like. Um, in the more conservative circle, well, I shouldn't say conservative, the allied powers would be more liberal. That's the irony of it. Like, the, the fascists were more conservative. Like mm-hmm. They wanted to to resurrect, you know, the folk past of of you know their their homelands and their 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 fatherlands. Yeah. Whereas the United States, Great Britain, France, those countries wanted, they were trying to push things forward into a place of of progress, a kind of post Christian yeah kind of uh, scenario. Yeah. And so the problem is the average person gets caught in the middle. I mean, some people are going to go left, some people are going to go right, and some people, like, I, I think you and I are in this place, we're, like, stuck in the middle. It's like, I don't really like, I don't want to make a god out of my nation or right. out of my race. Yeah. But I also don't want to, you know, destroy the family and uh, yeah. blur the distinction of genders, and and I don't want to destroy local custom and, and culture, you know, like, yeah. like in favor of some some sort of monoculture, which is what tends to happen when the left is in charge. I, yeah. They just, so it, it you know. Um, okay. So, yeah. Uh, another question then is so historically, what happens? You know, like if you could zoom out, you know, like of a timeline, 
you know, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, is this kind of thing inevitable? Like, are we just always fated in some way to like cyclical, like fluctuations of the extremes becoming, you know, the kind of the norm for a little bit and there's chaos and there's huge wars and, and then things kind of settle down again and there's stability for 80 to a hundred years. And then there's, you know, like, is that what's been, is that what's happened? Like, I mean, I mean, I know, I mean, in one sense, you know, history is cyclical, but, but I would say, you know, this whole binary system we're kind of stuck in. Yeah. It, it's not that old. Like it, it, it hasn't had real historical currency till, you know, what, a, a little over a hundred years yeah. ago or 125 years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, we had, we had, <clears throat> you know, the first ugly rearing of this World War One. you know, then it, mm. World War Two. Mm. Then we had the Cold War. And then at the end of the Cold War in the late 80s, when Eastern Europe, you know, the Soviet Union kind of collapsed, um, there was a bit of a vacuum and really kind of terrorism has become you know, sort of it's kind of filled that vacuum. And it's interesting because I, what I see a lot of the centrists in this country doing, both left and right, is they're still operating out of a Cold War mindset. Hmm. And I see the far right and the far left, in a sense, uh, sort of settling into the kind of extreme ideological positions that led into World War II. Hmm. So it's scary to me in one level because it's like if this becomes a world sort of conflagration that just explodes. Yeah. You know, we, 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 you know, there's been a lot of talk about we're on the edge of World War III. Well, that's why. We, we, we potentially are. But if you can get a, a, a more a strong, morally grounded, more centrist leader, you know, yeah. to, especially because if we're going to maintain, you know, it, it remains to be seen, honestly, whether or not the Pax Americana is going to survive. Wait, you mean Joe Biden, the Catholic, is not the strong moral <laughs> leader that I don't know. I that mean, the world you know, needs? Not necessarily. I, I haven't really <laughs> seen evidence for that. Um, but, but, but it, you know, it, there's some terrible ironies in all of that. But, but, but he's actually more of a he's more in the center. Yeah. But he's not running the show. Other voices are, you know, and what yeah. happened in the houses, uh, the the. Uh, House of Representatives with the Speaker of the House, same thing. Like you, you've it, 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 it's a, it's a strange alliance that the far right and the far and the far left would join together to oust McCarthy. Mm. From an ideological standpoint, it's like that's like that's the communists and the fascists getting together to knock out the centrist. But the problem is these two sides are not friends. Right. So everybody's trying to vie for the, the sort of the soul of this nation. It's like, are we gonna are we gonna tilt hard to the left? Or are we gonna tilt hard to the right? And I think most people in our country are saying, no, we want to stay right in the middle because that's the America we grew up with. That's the America we know. But so the the other factor I just got to throw this in there that I think has been at play is that you know since the rise of social media, there's just so many platforms for everybody to have a voice, and so these kind of social viruses really seem to be kind of spreading. And, uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't leave a lot of room for critical thinking, thoughtful reflection. You know, when you press 
people on their viewpoints and their knowledge of history and their knowledge of the background, they know practically nothing. Sure. You know, they're just they're just yeah. repeating slogans and mantras from their right. little tribe that yeah. they're, you know. So in one way, you you see us kind of devolving into these small little subcultures in these subgroups. Mm. But it it's just, you know, the 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 easiest way to describe the cause of this is that we don't have a shared worldview and a shared set of values anymore. It, it, it's, it's kind of devolved into this chaos where everybody is going to invent their own view of reality and we say, oh, well, that's democratic. Well, no, it, it, it kind of seems that way, but what it's going to create is chaos. And in chaos, you kind of create a political vacuum and some powerful ideology, left yeah, or right, right, is going to come right. in and is going to take control of the situation because we want a strong man. Mm. And then one day, you know, we're going to wake up and say, well, how did we end up with with work camps in the United States of America. Like, how yeah. did that happen? Yeah. You know, everybody always asks, like, how did that happen in Germany? Germany was one of the most, you know, cultured and mm. enlightened countries, you know? Well, yeah. it happened because, because the events that transpired, you know, over those decades in the beginning, end of the 19th, early part of the 20th century, it, it, it created these ideological extremes. Mm. So people of sound reason, you know, we, we have to push back against the extremes and be more reasonable. And so, like, for example, to come back to the situation in the Middle East, it's like, you know, as a Christian, what I'm going to look at is say, okay, well, first of all, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand with uh, the Jewish people having a right to have a home, but I also am going to recognize that the Palestinians have a right to a home, and that we have to continue working towards a solution where those groups can coexist in the same relatively proximate geographic location, yeah. and they can get along with each other. Yeah. And part of that strategy means we have to root out the ideologies that are driving terrorism, yeah. because there's young people that are getting indoctrinated. It's like the Hitler Youth. It's not. It's not any yeah. different than that, you know, or some of the youth that were brought up through the KGB and in yeah. Soviet Russia, you know. We, we have to really um, prevent that from happening, and we have to bring more sound minds to the table yeah. to talk and negotiate peace. And Well, it seems and, uh, like the more that, uh, you know, what you're kind of talking about makes me think of the whole cancel culture kind of thing, you know, and that people probably more in the center um, are being squashed or silenced by people on the fringes. And, um, and it's, I mean... I think it all, it just, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of courage that has to come from that. Like you're talking about as Christian people, like being able to speak the truth uh, without fear, whatever the situation might be. And, and the situation might really suck. And it might, uh, you know, I mean, the silence thing is just, it seems like it's, well, maybe there's a time for that, maybe, but it just seems like because because these other voices on the extremes are getting way too out of hand. Um, yeah, like the people people in the middle who may have been silent and not engaged in that uh, conversation or that that debate have to have to jump in and start to settle things down. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, part of the other thing that's interesting is that people on the left, you know, they have a, you know, Marxism is, is a revolutionary ideology, and so... There's a lot of activism, a lot of taking to the streets. I mean, we saw it with the George Floyd thing yeah, yeah. and the whole Black Lives Matter and Antifa and that whole... I mean, that's all that kind of... It's kind of an anarchism. Um, but the people who are conservative, they, you know, they're naturally more 
conservative. Yeah. And I don't know how, how accurate this could be, but I'm just going to throw it out there because I think there's something to this. You know, I think people that gravitate towards the left and towards that victim mindset are people that, in fact, truly have been victims oftentimes. Like, mm. they grew up in families that sure. were really abusive or they felt very socially marginalized. And so they really, uh, they're really drawn to that kind of liberationist um, viewpoint because, because they feel vindicated and justified by, by yeah. their own experience. Yeah. And I don't altogether—I mean, like, there's something there that needs to be addressed because those mm. are voices— we're not listening to. Sure. And you look at the bullying system in our schools and, you know, there's there's lots of, you know, reality there. Or just the problem of the breakdown of the family and the amount of domestic violence and, and, and abuse that's going on. You know, it's just not a good picture for those yeah. people. People on the conservative side of things tend to grow up in more stable, loving homes. And so they want, naturally they're conservative because they want to protect and safeguard the values that they grew up with because they see them as good. Yeah. Well, you know, there's really only a Christian solution to that problem, and that is is that the the, you know, first of all, people on the more conservative side, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, if you look over the course of history, some bad things have been done in the name of Jesus Christ. So there's a there's a level of authenticity, you know, uh, and integrity that's that's required on the part of people that are trying to preserve these values because same thing with people who are all in favor of our Constitution. You know, it's it's all well and good to say, I believe in the Constitution of the United States, yeah. you know, and then not really pay much but lip service to the fact that we had slaves in this country for a long time. I mean, that's a, you know, some people call it the America's original sin, and, and, mm. and it's a major point of hypocrisy. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I, I don't think going back, and I don't think a reparations approach is, is ever going to solve that problem. But a Christian value, you know, forgiveness, reconciliation, we have to move forward in a positive way, and we have to make a firm commitment that we're going to actually embody these yeah. values that we propose. Yeah. Um, you know, and likewise, you know, I, I think about people on the left who say, oh, you're always about the victim, or you're always about these kinds of liberties, but but you live with your own hypocrisies. You know, you got Al Gore drives, you know, flies a private jet going around preaching at the world about the environment, or you have... Um, you know, you have these people that are that are that are protesting in the name of you know racism, and then destroying people's businesses by throwing rocks through the windows at the Starbucks that they had a coffee at last week. Like it's just it's absurd. Yeah. You know. So on the one side we say, well, yeah, there are people that have life's kind of screwed, and we need to take better care of those people, and we need to eradicate those evils and injustices with sound principles and sound mm. policies. You know. But on the other, you know, and, and then on the other side, you say there are really tried and true, historically proven values and social structures like the family yeah. that cannot be rooted out, cannot be upended. You can't reinvent gender. Right. You know, um, you know, likewise, go to the environment and say, yeah, we got some environmental problems that we have to address. But destroying the world economy by, you know, forcing this, this, this absurdly unnatural um, uh, moving away from, you know, fossil fuels. Yeah, and, and, right, you know what I'm right, saying? right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. Some tongue tied yeah. but it, right. it's like it that's not work. a real solution. Like, right. there's, it, you know, so I think part of it is is having a more balanced, more uh, philosophically grounded and theologically grounded understanding yeah. of these problems and, and the kind of solutions that are going to really address them. Wow. The, uh, man, this is all so good. I would, you know, just for me, 
um, in these final few moments. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that, that you've said that, and a lot of ideas and, and thoughts and um, just the inner dialogue going on. And one of them is like, you know, the this, this stuff that happens on such a global level seems so, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of like, what what the hell can I do about that, you know? And, and I think that as a dad, you know, um, if I'm just trying to, think through, what can I do about that? Um, I can invite uh, the the invitation or the opportunity for, for the, the conversations in my family to not be narrow-sighted, you know, like to not just be like, this is the only way it is, and this, you know, like there's only, it's so myopic. Like that's where the extremes, I think, tend to get fostered. So, you know, I think critical introducing that idea of critical thinking in like a real like like looking at a situation and critiquing it you know like both sides like where is this person coming from where's that person coming from how do you know resolving conflict in my own family by introducing these ideas that it's not just always one it's one thing sometimes the problem is very complex and then being able to like have my kids you know say like have a conversation like what do you think about what's going on and and being able to lead and guide that in a in a more rational kind of way and not so, you know, I mean, that's that's something it seems so, like, probably trite and small, but... Well, I don't think it is. My experience because, is that... Because it's right in the home where these ideologies <laughs> right, are right. actually right formed yeah. in the minds of our young people. So, yeah, yeah no, and I... Then, and then the other thing is just just always going back and, and really trying to reinforce the 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 actual real genuine living of christian principles you know like yeah forgiveness and mercy and um humility and uh you know things like that like the values that you're as you're talking through all these things are just so glaringly absent like the the idol the idolization of the self and the sort of god making of the self lately is frightening and it, i mean you can see where it's leading to it's just leading to a bunch of crap in our world like it's not going anywhere good and um so i mean those are just some of my my little thoughts thinking through here but no i think those are really important uh Sort of like, what can I do? You know, because we can't, we're not going to, we're each going to have fairly small amount of influence on global affairs. But, but I do think practicing a healthy curiosity, asking a lot of questions, seeking a diversity of different sources so that you don't just get sort of, you know, people tend to, you know, sort of side with their in their little echo chambers oh, yeah. of their little camps yeah. and only hear that. And it's like, no, you know, you got to force yourself to hear the other side and listen to other voices so that you can kind of try to put together a little better picture of what's happening. Yeah. And the other thing I just want to say is, you know, we need, as Catholics, we, we need, every Catholic needs to spend time learning the church's social teaching. Mm. And and really being versed in it, it's it's all laid out beautifully in the catechism. At least a sufficient amount of understanding is there. Like you don't have to be the expert, but it's in the catechism. The church's social teaching is laid out beautifully, and those principles 
and directives really guide, should guide our thinking. Mm. And I find that most Catholics are entirely ignorant of Catholic social teaching. Mm. They don't know anything about it. They get all of their their points of view from, you know, either CNN or Fox News. And, uh, and, and, and that's just, that leaves so much lacking in terms of how we ought to approach. I mean, even to the a- point where we... You know, Catholics in the United States can't even hear what the Pope is saying without reacting from either, yeah. you know, their left or their right side commitments. And 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 so, you know, we really have to try to think with the mind of the Church, love with the heart of Christ, and— uh, mm, I'm hearing a podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the next geeking out yeah. uh, episode, yeah. you know. But anyhow, but yeah, so, and then pray. I just have to mention that. Yeah. I just think we have to really pray for peace and and pray that the, the Lord really reigns in these particular situations so that they don't get out of, really out of control. I mean, they're already out of control, but they could become, they could consume the world very quickly and very yeah. easily. Yeah. And we all hope that that will not happen and that whatever is going on in these troubled parts of the world will come to, you know, yeah. the, 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 these conflicts will cease. Yeah. And peace will return. Amen. Uh, there's a couple of things I want people to be aware of is, um, you know, you're, I'm, I'm sitting across from a, from a pretty smart guy. Like, <laughs> you are a pretty smart guy. And you, you've dedicated so much of your life to, yeah, to knowing what the church teaches, what the church, um, you know, especially in moral, moral ethics and uh, things like that. And, you have a lot of incredibly insightful things to say. And I've been the personal, uh, you know, recipient of going through some of your experiences, you know, and just having my mind blown. And so, uh, you know, you're writing articles frequently, right, to to different uh, publications. Well, and not, I mean, frequently might not be. Actually, a- to be honest with you, on some of this stuff, I really haven't. I just haven't had time. I I want to. Yeah, <laughs> it's, but I it's mean, an yeah, aspirational yeah. goal. Yeah, but I I I definitely you know I more of my outlet is teaching. You know, I I teach yeah. courses, and I do hope at some point maybe to post some courses in some of these areas uh, to our website. That's one of my goals uh, for twenty twenty four. Um, sooner than later, because I do. You know, thank you for all those kind words. Um, it's true. You know, it's totally I, it's true. It's hard to hear because I don't like. Oh, I don't you're like such those, a humble guy. I don't like those nice words, but, <laughs> um, but I. But the truth is, is I do love teaching, and I do have. I feel very called to do that, and to try to help, uh, help, our fellow Catholics understand, you know, how to respond and and how to relate to the things that are going on around the world, and how to live a more integrated and whole life in whatever. Mm aspect of life we're talking about here and yeah. right now we're talking about our social life you know and yeah so anyhow but yeah no i appreciate that no it's Thanks. true it's good it's good um uh wow okay how do we how, uh, anything else that uh anything else that needs to be said well um you know please be sure to like this podcast you can leave a comment if you want one thing wanted to mention this week which we haven't mentioned before is that you know uh, Scott and I don't have like an endless number of topics, and we would like to hear from our audience uh, about topics that maybe you would want us to address, and maybe you know we can cycle those into our podcast here going forward. So best way to do that is to go to our website and reach out um, through our, um, we have a little intake form that you can fill out, 
and that comes to us, and we'll take a look at those, and 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 we can put those topics in. And that website um, is preambula.org. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah made fun of me the other day for saying www, and I'm like, I guess I just dated uh, myself. It's okay. it's okay. Wear it with pride. Wear it with pride. Yeah, she's probably laughing out there. She's going to be <laughs> laughing out there. She hears me say that. But um, yeah, no, it is funny. I should have said HTTP. Oh, my. Then that would have been bad. <laughs> yeah. No, but anyhow, uh, there's lots of good stuff on our web website. Um, we, we're always offering these live in-person cohorts of our different experiences the mm-hmm. way and on fire and your mission so uh if you if you want to go deep into the heart of jesus then uh and and, and be led through a, a series of really wonderful spiritual exercises go to our website and get signed up for one of our upcoming cohorts yes do it run now go we'll end okay okay all right thanks Bye. all right talk to you later yep see ya. bye The Wise Guys Podcast is a production of Preambula Group, a Catholic ministry dedicated to helping you thrive in the heart of Jesus. Visit us on the web at preambula.org and follow us on social media.